1: I'm a little early with that today. This is Gene Wilhelm, and as, as usual, I'm in a hurry to get started and get finished. Uh, today is January 10th, and you're listening to Red Sea Roundup. Uh, we we have a very interesting interview coming up after the break. Uh, it will be with Christopher Lafitte, who is the Director of Student Counseling at the St. Mary's Center here in College Station. And uh, the broad outline or broad topic of what we'll be talking about is New Year's resolutions, and we'll expand that a little bit uh, beyond that, and that will be pre-recorded because of Christopher's schedule. Uh, I have in the studio with me here today the, the, the inestimable producer Thaddeus Romansky, and he's got a couple of things to say that have happened and are going to happen.
0: Morning, Gene. Morning. You about giving me a heart attack there going early on me. Well, you know me. I, I, I like to do that. I'm just teasing. Um. Yeah, so we just wrapped up our Red Sea Family Retreat. It was our second annual family retreat. This last weekend, we had Greg and Julie Alexander come in, and we had some w- wonderful participation from um, couples here in the Brazos Valley in terms of our uh, breakout session. So I want to give a th- give thanks to the Alexanders, to the Earharts, to the Modokituses, the Sullivans, and Angie Bird uh, for being participants in uh, speaking at the retreat. I think it was uh, valuable to all the people who came. But, you know, we had 130 adults and children signed up, but we only ended up having about 93 people there. And the rest had the flu. And that was because of sickness. And, in fact, the Sullivans got got nailed by the the flu bug, and they had to bow out right at the last minute. That's
1: pretty interesting since...
0: He's a physician. <laughs> yeah. Um. So unfortunately, I hope they're I hope they're doing better and feeling better. Um. But we still had uh, great participation. We had one couple come all the way down from Waco, and they and thought was it was exciting. worth the trip too. Didn't they did. They? they stayed the night. They were there for Friday night. They were there for Saturday. Um. They particip- They they were very active participants. So the Shifley's, if you're listening this morning, thanks for for coming, and um was. Again, uh, Julie and Greg were really impressed with the liveliness of the faith community here in Bryan College Station. I, I saw them at 530 Mass
1: on Saturday, and, yeah. and they seem to be enjoying themselves and talking with some of the people they met mm-hmm. here. And mm-hmm. you were talking about Waco. We have an event coming up in Waco that people need to put on their calendar now
0: so that they can save the date. And what is that? Phase? That's right. That is our upcoming benefit dinner in Waco, which is going to be April 19th. That's a Thursday from 6 to 9 at Sacred Heart Parish in Waco. Patrick Madrid, the inestimable Patrick Madrid, coming to speak there to our listeners in the Waco area. Info will be coming on the website soon. So keep your eyes peeled on radio.org and we will get um, information on the benefit dinner and registration for tables and tickets soon to come.
1: Okay. I've got a, a request of our listeners this morning. Uh, I am really quite curious if any of you would be willing to send me an email to let me know whether the types of guests that I've been having are something that is very uh, that is beneficial to you. I, I have guests that are often a little different from some of the other hosts are. So if you would send me an email, and that email address that you can send that to is Gene at org G-E-N-E, at redsearadio.org. And the other thing is if you if you know somebody that you think you would like to have uh, appear on Red Sea Roundup, either with me as a host or somebody else, I'd appreciate it if you'd send an email and contact information for that particular person. Uh, we're always looking for more people to interview and more people that, that, that have a message that would be beneficial to our listeners. And... Uh, We've got a very interesting situation today, as far as the the readings go at Mass today. the the readings this morning. Uh, when you if you read them out of your Magnificat or off of whatever it is, and you will notice that on Sunday you will hear the same first reading and the first re- same responsorial psalm again, and that's that happens occasionally, but not very often. No kidding, really. The uh, first reading itself is from the. Uh, first book of Samuel, and it, it talks about Samuel's call, and uh, there are a couple extra verses this morning over what's on Sunday, and uh, of course Samuel didn't realize what was going on, and uh, Eli the priest had to tell him, and uh, God spoke to Samuel, he didn't speak to the priest in that particular case, and Samuel uh, was the chosen of God to go forward, and then in the uh, responsorial psalm is Psalm 40, which which t- talks about uh, the call again and how God will open our ears to be able to listen to the call. I, I think that that's very interesting. And then the gospel for today is, is interesting in that it, it is out of the book of Mark, or the gospel of Mark, which uh, we're in cycle B, which is uh, for Sundays that we typically use the gospel of Mark. But this one talks about how that Jesus uh, healed uh, Peter's mother-in-law. Now she didn't ask to be healed. It was, sounds like Peter and Andrew and James and John asked that she be healed, and Jesus healed her. And what is so interesting, what fits in so well with the first reading, is that she immediately got up and went into service of Jesus and and, and Jesus's followers. She didn't sit around, and she didn't go off and do something for herself. She heard the call, the call to get up and to serve. And this, uh, the Sunday gospel is from the book of John, the and, and gospel of John, and, and when, when there, are, mark is so short that's, that the church uses John to supplement some of the things in, in, uh, on Sundays, and this is the call where Peter and Andrew are called for the first time. So uh, Andrew hears John the Baptist, and John the Baptist points out there's the Lamb of God, and Andrew and another disciple—we don't know who. My guess is it's probably John—went traipsing along behind Jesus at some distance, following him. Jesus turns around and says, "What are you looking for?" And they said, "Where do you stay?" And the Greek word there is the same one that's used in John chapter fifteen, verse four, which is the Greek word "meno," which can be translated "abide," "stay," "dwell," "remain," and and so. They ask where he is, so they go and visit him at four o'clock in the afternoon, and they talk to him for some period of time, and immediately, Andrew goes off and grabs Peter, and Peter uh, is then, his well, he's Simon at that time. His name is changed, which is always significant in the Scriptures when the name is changed, a change of role from Simon, the one which means hearer, to Peter, which means, and it's the the Hebrew that gets it Caphas, which is rock, and uh, so... Uh, it's, it's, it's very interesting that we have that twice, and it's the question that, that comes up is when Jesus breaks into our lives uh, in one way or another, or God tries to tap us on the shoulder, are we paying enough ten- attention to be able to hear what God is having to say? Are we willing to give up what we are doing uh, on, on our own so we will go, go forward with what he wants rather than what we want? And so we are about 30 seconds from when we're going to take a break. And have you got any last minute things you want to tell us, Thaddeus?
0: No, but I did want to, uh, not to trip you up, but how do you balance what Peter's mother in law did with um, Mary and Martha, where Jesus basically compliments Mary for being with him rather than worrying over the, the busyness of that, the kitchen? That will take about 10 minutes, and we'll do that another <laughs> time. <laughs> Okay, Okay. are good. we about ready to go on
1: the break? Yeah,
0: if you don't have anything else, um, just thank you for listening uh, today, folks, and uh, certainly help out Gene with that. Email him if you if you like what we do over here. We always love comments and uh, testimonials from our listeners. We'd love to hear from you. You can do that by emailing Gene, or you can just go to radio.org. And hit the contact us button and leave a comment there, and I'll get it to Gene. I would um, appreciate that, and we we'd love to hear from you. And thanks for listening. And we'll we'll see you, hear you back in just a little bit.
1: Welcome back to Red Sea Roundup. I'm your host, Gene Wilhelm, and I have with me a very special guest again today. Of course, all my guests are very special. Uh, It's Christopher Lafitte, and Christopher Lafitte is here at St. Mary's Catholic Center in College Station. And hello, Christopher. Hi, Gene. Thanks for having me. Uh, I'm so happy to have you here. Uh, Tell us what your title is and what your role is here at St. Mary's.
2: Yeah, so I'm the, the new director of pastoral counseling here. Um working through that with Father Brian. Uh, I'm excited uh, to be here offering uh, counseling, addressing mental health issues, but also with uh, a dynamic spirituality integrated into it. Um, I've just found over the years that things are more effective whenever you invite God into it explicitly. Uh, so uh, my role is to work with the students, um, addressing just the different uh, different mental health issues and uh, relationality. Um, wounds and such, um, and help them learn a little bit about who they are and how they can better love, how they can better be loved, um, how they can share themselves with those around them, with God, uh, and greater freedom and uh,
1: greater maturity. And I forgot to mention, Christopher, that we are pre-recording this because of your busy schedule, Uh and so Uh that uh, our listeners will not be able to call in today, as happens with me fairly regularly because of the schedules of my guests. But that's very interesting. And you've been here, what, since September?
2: Uh, since uh,
1: May, June. Since May, yeah. June. Okay. And what what does it mean? Your, your, your approach is a little different from a lot of uh, psychologists. You are a licensed clinical psychologist. Is that what you are? Uh, licensed professional counselor. Licensed is, is, professional, professional counselor. Correct. Right. So how what makes you a little bit different from the average run-of-the-mill licensed professional counselor?
2: Uh, I guess for me, uh, how my practice is a little different is the spirituality, Yes, uh, integrating that into it. Uh, I do that pretty explicitly for, uh, for those who want it. Some people want it more than others, um, but for those who are willing to go there, um, I do a lot of inner healing prayer and uh, relying on the Holy Spirit and... Uh, this, the different ways he wants to work through us, um, the different gifts he's given us through our baptism and confirmation. Um, so I lean pretty heavily on him because um, I find that the more I can do that, uh, the greater the results, the greater the fruit, the greater the freedom in someone's life when I can lean on him and uh, he can be made manifest and,
1: and what we're working on. Now, do most of the people that you, that you work with, the young people, for example, mm-hmm. are, do mm-hmm. they also have a spiritual director, or do you kind of do a little bit of that as well in the process?
2: Yeah, a good amount of the students that I work with are, are working with spiritual directors. Some are referred to me by their spiritual director. Um, oftentimes I'll refer them to spiritual directors too. Um, there is a distinction, but there is a significant amount of overlap as well because um, we're talking about relationship, and uh, oftentimes... And how in those relationships, we're not free to be ourselves um, in various ways. And a lot of times, uh, a relationship with God is a pretty significant one in someone's life. (laughs) Yes. So uh, we end up talking a lot about their relationship with God and spirituality. Um, The way I talk about it with them primarily is the ways in which uh, they're getting stuck in their relationship with God, either because they have a false image of God, a false understanding of who he is. Um, and so they don't feel free or safe to be themselves in prayer around him. And we'll look at maybe where that's rooted um, in their life and uh, address, address things that way. Um, and then some other areas too. I mean, I'm always trying to get someone in touch with their heart. Uh, and a lot of times, you know, when you're, when you're touching on someone's heart, you're touching
1: on, you know, the beautiful aspects of their relationship with God. You were telling me right before we started this session that uh, your mentor was somebody that some folks should know here, and some that don't know really ought to know who he is and a little bit about what he does. And who is that?
2: Yeah. So uh, yeah, you've got your book, his book, right in front of you, uh, Dr. Bob Shooks. Um, I uh, went on a retreat in Tallahassee about. Um, seven years ago, seven and a half years ago. Um, I still consider it to be one of the most beneficial weeks of my life. Uh, just what I, what I learned and experienced, um, and what I got out of that week. Um, but Dr. Bob is the founder and, uh, one of the leading members of the John Paul II Healing Center. Um, and he's been a therapist for 35 years, recently retired and is primarily doing the the ministry through the John Paul II Healing Center. But he really integrated, uh, uh, prayer and spirituality into his practice and integrated a lot of the truths of psychology and what we learned from, you know, the secular studies, uh, with the truths of the faith and a beautiful overlapping of, of that, uh, which I find to be just a profound integration and, uh, and, and so much of what John Paul II did for us to give us an understanding of the human person, uh, he takes that into account and and really provides a beautiful integration of you know what it means to be human, um, pulling from from everything that is true. He he brings it all together in a beautiful way. Uh, so he's formed me deeply, and I and I use a lot of his worldview uh, in my practice. I mean,
1: now I'm aware of two books that he has. I'm sure he has many more, but but I have read "Be Healed," and I'm in the middle of reading "Be Transformed," and they are just they're books that you don't just sit down and read you you sort of have to, uh, it's like a dry sponge that has to sort of sit there for a while to absorb it all. Is, yeah. that, is that your experience?
2: That's my experience. And that's, uh, that's I think, the way Bob is and all that he does. He doesn't want you just to, to learn some good stuff. He wants he wants you to be transformed. He wants you to become who you really are, uh, just because that I think that's God's heart, too. God wants us to become who we are. And I think he shares God's heart and Uh, In that way, and really is such a gift at helping us uh, become ourselves so that we can uh, live from the fullness of who we are, who we we were created to be, and we can share ourselves deeply with uh, those who've been entrusted to us in our lives, in our families, um, and really lives lives of of great joy in that love.
1: When I first contacted you about being my guest today, I said, I want to talk about New Year's resolutions. Now we're recording this on the 3rd and it will be broadcast on the 10th. So by now, most folks who have made resolutions have probably already broken them, or by the (laughs) time this is broadcast, will probably have already broken them. And uh, it strikes me that New Year's resolutions are something that just about everybody does. And in uh, doing a little research on this, that uh, 4,000 years ago, the Babylonians started there are the be- first ones that are known to have started the concept of New Year's resolutions. Of course, our New Year's was at the beginning of spring hmm. rather than in, in December 1 or January 1 like we do. But it's so it, there's a long history among humankind making New Year's resolutions. And in our culture, it's almost like it's something you need to do. And it's, it's kind of a joke huh. of doing it because you expect to fail and yet i'm sure that when people fail they also feel bad about themselves that they have failed have you have you run into uh, any of that in your practice yeah a little bit and just
2: as you're saying that now i i it gave me uh, a laugh over the break watching some f- some football and seeing the all state mayhem commercials and how mayhem is no longer causing mayhem It says resolution and then it says yeah resolutions are made to be broken uh and so yeah i think there is this sort of uh uh yeah, expectation to break our resolutions. Um, yeah, I think that's interesting.
1: Yeah. I know in the comics Sunday, there, there were a lot of the comics had to do with New Year's resolutions. And there was one about a family and everybody was making these grandiose resolutions. And the teenage son said he was going to do all the things he'd been doing the previous year. And they said, well, that's not anything different. And they said, he said, well, but at least I can keep mine. Yeah, 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 yeah. So what what do you say to somebody who was very serious about making a resolution but fails in yeah. this, maybe if it's like for me like maybe being kind when something happens that i don't mm-hmm, like mm-hmm. rather than my normal self uh, what what do you say to somebody when they they start saying i i just can't seem to do it
2: yeah so this is a this is a there's so much good that could be said here. And I deal with this all the time, not always for New Year's, but just, I mean, in working with someone, uh, you know, there's always certain resolutions that, you know, someone's trying to make and we're always trying to make, um, certain resolutions that are going to, you know, improve our lives and better the lives of those around us. So yeah, this is a important topic and uh, a couple things come to mind right off the bat as we're discussing this. One is, uh, I think if we get to the heart of it, we want to look at the spirit in which we're making the resolution out of. Uh, Why do we want what we're resoluting to? You know, if it's uh, a common one over New Year's, of course, is to lose weight. And so if if we're making a resolution to lose weight, you know, why? Is it out of vanity or is it out of a, a healthy sense of love for ourselves? Because we know God sees us as a gift and he created us good. And so we want to bless him by honoring the gift of our bodies. You know, what's the motivator? I think that's the biggest thing I want to ask someone is why do you want to make this resolution? Because if it's not made out of love, it's going to be pretty futile. Um, and it's not going to really bless us in the end. Um, so that's the, that's the primary thing I think we want to look at is what's motivating us. Is it, is it love? And, uh, if it is something, you know, uh, for ourselves, I think, I think it's important to note that, uh, you know, love of self is actually an important thing if it's in, it, in the proper order. St. Bernard of Clairvaux talks about there's, there's four loves uh, and they all build on one another. He, he starts out and he says the first one is love of self for self's sake. Okay, so just selfishness. Uh, and then after that, what, what, what comes next is love of God for self's sake. So, okay, we, we see God as a vending machine. Uh, and after that, love of God for God's sake. There we go. Now we're getting to authentic love. And then after that, what he says is even higher than love of God for God's sake is love of self for God's sake. And oh. I, th- and I think if we're making resolutions for ourselves from that perspective, where we're bettering ourselves for, for the sake of God or for, for our spouse or our children, you know, that's a good place to start because then it's not about us. It's about those around us. And, and, not only is that in right order, because we're focused on those around us in a healthy way, and that's the reason we're focused on ourselves, but that love is actually going to give us the energy we need to fulfill that resolution. Because it's not about us, it's about someone else. And it's a lot easier to change when it's about love rather than it's just, you know, something I just want on my own out of some selfishness,
1: you know. But so much of what we do... In our lives, even as Christians is out of our selfishness, yeah, yeah, and any anything that you can say that would help a person to to move beyond that that love that selfish love of self to some even just the next step, just just even get close to the border of that to get into the next love,
3: yeah, yeah, hmm,
2: so your question is uh how to move from this loving ourselves for our own sake to yes. to to a more mature love. Yes. Yeah. I think, uh, you know, uh, I'll share a, a little, a little story. I went on a retreat, uh, an eight day retreat with a, a priest right before I got married. Just, I wanted to prepare for marriage and, uh, this was a very holy priest and, uh, he had a real good sense of our humanity and, uh, he asked me what I was I was wanting out of this retreat, and I said, "Well, I wanna I wanna love God more. I wanna love my my wife more, uh, or my future wife at the time." <laughs> and uh, he said, "Well, how do you do that? How do you love more?" And I started thinking and naming all of these things, which are just you know, if we think about them, they're kind of just resolutions, you know, and and every time he was like, "No, no, no, no." Now, finally, I was just like, I don't know. And for a while, he just said, no, I'm not answering it for you. And he made me keep thinking. And he, he eventually told me the answer because I wasn't getting it. And, uh, but but it, it's something that's allowed, that, that's really helped re, reorganize and order my interior, my understanding uh, ever since I heard it. And he said, we learn how to love by being loved. And I think that's so important for someone who's, who's recognizing that they're struggling with selfishness and they're focused on themselves quite a bit is that, you know, I think that focus in and of itself is actually to start with is actually something pretty good because you're recognizing within yourself, there's something that you need that you don't have. And the problem is though, you're trying to fill it yourself instead of, Unveiling or, or, or sharing that need with someone else, and when we do that with God, we experience a love that we can't that can't be compared to any other love. And I think that's that's what can motivate us to move away from ourselves, is to actually encounter being loved, so encounter love and experience being loved for who we are. Uh, and when we, when we when we experience that with God, it, it really changes us. It changes us deeply.
1: But some people mm-hmm. don't believe that they deserve to be loved. Yeah, yeah. And that's that's an even more difficult problem, isn't it? Yeah, that's that's huge. And only if I can only change myself so I can become lovable, then somebody might love me.
2: Right, right. Yeah, it's huge. And I think to some degree, all of us can relate to that uh, to some degree or another. Um, but I think even there, if someone can, can honestly acknowledge that that's what their experience is, they can take what is known to be true, you know, intellectually that God is love and he loves me unconditionally. And we can kind of couple that with this feeling that I don't deserve love. I'm unlovable. And we can see that, okay, what I'm experiencing doesn't match what's actually true. And so that can give us the confidence to open that part of our heart up and share that unworthiness with God. And in expressing that unworthiness, it's an opening of our heart to where we can then receive love. But if we're not willing to share ourselves with someone else, we, we don't allow someone to meet us in that part of our heart, in that place of our heart where we're most desiring love or we, where we have such a deep need. So so having that unworthiness is is really not an impediment. It's actually a place of encounter. If we're willing to open that up and let ourselves be known there, let ourselves be, uh, be heard and, and, and seen by God there, if we can express all the pain that's there, on the other side of that is a filling that God wants to give us, but we've just got to express everything that's there first.
1: That sounds like a resolution that all of us need to uh, repeat on a daily basis because we're going to <laughs> fail every day, aren't we?
3: Amen. Yeah.
1: So, so it, in a sense, it's a real res- resolution that to do that. Right, right. But, but we get caught up in all this stuff where we need to do this so that we fit in. Like making a resolution to lose lose weight, and we're not specific about how we're going to do that, or how much we're going to lose, or we just this sort of vague thing, mm-hmm. and we don't we don't really ask when we make our resolutions, what, uh, alluding to something. What I think you were saying is, what is it that God wants me to do? What does He want me to resolve to do? Where am I going to get the help to do that? Is that is that some of what you've experienced when talking with people who make resolutions
2: um, clarifying question so, yes um so you're, so you're asking uh you know just looking for help mm-hmm. when we're making resolutions is that yeah some, something yeah. like
1: that i mean because sometimes we make a resolution that we don't that doesn't really make any sense for us
2: sure sure yeah i th- i think we definitely you know need help uh in in making any resolution because we're recognizing there's an area of weakness. Uh, And so we usually need help with someone who knows a little more than us in that area, who has a strength there, that kind of help us buoy us up there and help us along in that area.
1: So when we're making resolutions like that, we need help defining what that resolution is, first of all. Sure. And then we need somebody that perhaps we would call an accountability partner to help us do that and encourage us when we make the two steps forward and the one step back.
2: Yeah, I'd say that's if you have someone to hold you accountable. I think uh, again, because right there you have you have this vulnerability that's going on, and you have this relationship in that accountability, and and that's what's going to get you uh, moving in the right direction. That's going to get you where you want to go. Is is you're sharing life with someone, you know. And, and and you're recognizing this need and you're sharing and opening up this need, this vulnerable place with someone, and they're encouraging you there.
1: That's important. Now, for Catholics, one of the places that we can get that is, is either through a spiritual director mm-hmm, mm-hmm. or a, a regular confessor, If if we don't just... Uh, go to confession, run in and run out just to get the absolution. But yeah. and there's not a line of thirty-four people behind you. So is is that was that the primary way that a Catholic would do that, or are there other ways that a Catholic can get this kind of uh help in making legitimate reason well, I will say reasonable, uh achievable resolutions mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then help in, in, in maintaining those.
2: Sure. Yeah. I think, I think any resolution, uh, you know, needs, needs a certain accountability partner. So if it's, if it's a sin we're struggling with, a confessor is probably the right person to hold us accountable. Uh, especially if that confessor is a spiritual director. Um, if it, uh, but at the same time, that could also be a spouse. Um, Mm -hmm. in a certain sense, if, if there's a certain, uh, behavior, uh, around the house that we want to change you know our kids could even be the ones that hold us accountable to that uh depending oh, that, that on that is know. so painful <laughs> yeah yeah i mean if it's appropriate but i mean if, if if we're resoluting to to you know play a game once a week you know with the kids or something like that or whatever someone resolution may be. i mean to, to tell the kids say hey daddy's gonna do this mommy's gonna do this uh, once a week so if i haven't done it let me know you know that's huge
1: Yes, it is, isn't it? Uh, One of the things that occurred to me when I was getting ready to talk with you, uh, that there are, I don't know how many different versions of the act of contrition. The one I learned when I was six years old, many, many years ago, ends up with, I firmly resolve Mm -hmm. with the Mm -hmm. help of your grace to confess my sins, to do penance, and to amend my life. Amen. So for me, at least, every time I make an act of contrition, which is usually at least once a day. Uh, I am making a resolution and I don't, I don't take it very seriously, to be honest with you. <laughs> I mean, I'm not as seriously as I should be. And I uh, never really, uh-huh. uh, never really occurred to me that I'm act actually making a resolution every time I make an act of contrition, right. every time right. I go to confession. Mm-hmm. And so we do those things in a, on a regular basis. It's not just at the beginning of the year.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's a good insight. Uh, and i think what what you hit on there what i loved in in that version of the act of contrition uh you said i firmly resolve with the help of your grace uh that was that was the other thing i was i was really wanting to talk about um with regard to the new year's resolution um is first just the love and how love needs to be at the heart of this um otherwise something's a little off um, but the second thing is that yeah this uh uh how We're always making these resolutions and we're always working on something. Um, but in any resolution we're making, anything we're resoluting <laughs> to change, we have to understand that this is an area of weakness in our lives. So for there to be this expectation on ourselves like we're going to get it perfect or we're going to get it just right or that we have to, uh, that's pretty silly. Uh, so there needs to be this, this expectation almost that we're going to fall we're going to fail, uh, and the only way to actually uh, have this resolution change us is if we're not relying on ourselves, and we're, we're relying on God. We're relying on grace, and we're continuing to go to him over and over uh, as we're working to grow in this area, recognizing, okay, this is an area where I really am in need. Uh, so, so in a certain sense, it's God. God is our accountability partner here. We're going to Him constantly, saying, "Help, help, help!" Uh, but, but there's this, there's this movement away from self-reliance when we're resoluting to something, and a movement toward uh, reliance on God, reliance on grace. Mm-hmm.
1: There's, it's really difficult though, uh, to believe that uh, passage in Second Corinthians chapter twelve. By powers, it's greatest in weakness. Right. We tend to look at our weakness and not at God's power.
2: Yeah, yeah, because we see our weakness and we see it as weakness because it is. But we don't see weakness as an occasion for communion. We don't see our weakness as an occasion for an encounter with God because we look at it as such a, an impediment that if we but see it as a gift to give to God then God can be in that. And that's how we're strong. It's not because the weakness itself is strong. It's not. It's a weakness. But a weakness open to God becomes strong because he fills it. He becomes present in it. And there we have strength because it's not our, our strength we're operating on. It's his strength.
1: And then that's the way all things work together for the good of those who love the Lord, who are called according to his purpose? <laughs> That when we yield ourselves in that way, is that is that what you're, do you see it that way or am I off on a tangent here?
2: Yeah, yeah. I think, uh, um, you know, I think there's more to it than than just that. But I think that definitely plugs into what you're saying there.
1: So I have to recognize that I'm weak. And I have to love myself as I am, where I am right. at that point in time
2: right because God does
1: and because God is out of time he's, he loves me with an eternal love regardless of anything that's happened in the past anything that's happening today yes. anything that's going to happen in the yes. future
2: yes yes God loves you the same now uh, than if you were to become the greatest saint his love for you is not going to change
1: or if I became the saint greatest sinner
2: correct he loves you exactly the same right now he doesn't necessarily love your
1: actions the same but he loves you the same. Well, and as a parent, uh, both of us can know that sometimes <laughs> we can really love our children, but there are times when their actions drive us crazy. Yep, yep. And yet we still love them even in spite of all that, right. don't we? Right, and
2: I think it's because we see, we know who they really are, and and we know that they're not really being just this great gift that they are. They're being something different than that. And yeah, it pains us to see them uh, you know, in their disobedience or their... Uh, uh, whatever it is they're doing.
1: <laughs> well, you know, one of the things that, uh, occurs to me is that, uh, if I make a resolution that is unrealistic, I'm setting myself up for failure. Yeah. Yeah. So, and even, even if it's res- a resolution to conquer a sin habit, and I, I, I see that's, all kinds of sin habits are there, and, mm-hmm. and some of them mm-hmm. we glorify with the name addiction. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they're there, and we have to conquer them. But if I keep – it occurred to me that if I if I am going to a city that I see on a hill somewhere and I see the light and I try to go straight up the hill to that city, I may not be able to make it because it's, the grade is too steep. Yeah. But sometimes I have to take that switch back mm-hmm. to get mm-hmm. up if i take the switchback i'm going to have success it's going to take me longer and that means that sometimes i have to take my eyes off of the the city to keep an eye on the road that i know when this when to turn on the switchback yeah that's a good good uh, analogy so how do i how how do i or how do you or how do we encourage ourselves and others when we're on this switchback mm-hmm. rather than go, trying to be well for us guys, it's probably up more than women. This rah rah he man that's going to run up the mountain nah. rather than take the road that you can get there. How do we encourage each other or encourage ourselves to do that? What?
3: Yeah.
2: Well, I think that accountability we talked about is important. You know, finding someone to, that is really going to hold us accountable, but someone who uh, is not going to be condemning or discouraging. Who's who's who understands that. Their job is to encourage us. Their job is to really uh, build us up a- as we're as we're seeking to grow, seeking to improve. Um, but I think also whenever we're looking at the city on the hill, like you're talking about, um, we need to have a game plan ahead of time, knowing all right, these are the different things I need to have in place. These different uh, you know uh, checkpoints, or uh, here's base camp right here. here. Here are the different things I need, the resources I need, supports I need. In order to get me there, because uh, if we yeah uh, we just start running up the hill, uh, those switchbacks are probably there for a reason, uh, and so we're probably just going to fall right back down the hill. Um, so there does need to be a certain wisdom in in approaching a resolution we're making, especially if it's a big one.
1: Yeah, the other thing out of uh, scripture that occurred to me when when I was getting ready to talk with you is that. Uh, a couple of places in the Gospels says, and in Luke in particular, it says, take anyone who would come after me, take up your cross daily and follow me. Mm-hmm. And I coupled that with the fact that we read in the Gospels also that Jesus took up his cross and he fell three times on the way to Golgotha. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So if I'm taking up my cross to follow Jesus I'm not, I'm not any stronger than he is. He was a lot stronger than me, and he fell three times. Yeah. So I, I shouldn't really beat myself up when I'm taking that cross and carrying it and falling. Mm-hmm. I mean, mm-hmm. it's, yes, I need to repent if it's something self-induced. Sure, sure. But, but to fall is, is a part of the process of carrying the cross, isn't it?
2: It is. It is. And, uh, yeah, what I tell people
1: often is
2: what we're looking for is progress, not perfection. Progress, because
1: the biblical uh, definition of perfection Mm -hmm. is one where you are—it's maturity, and we never get fully mature. So, if you're going to be mature, it's—it's a process. It's not a destination. Right. That perfection is a process. Yeah. And which is so difficult in the American mindset, anyway, to understand that it's not a—it's not something it's not a bullseye
2: right and when when jesus says uh you know be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect if we look at the greek there it's teleho which if we uh, some of us might might see the word telos telos as this end that we're created for that's where teleho comes from uh so what jesus is saying there is is be made whole be brought to your end and that's a process he wants to, to join us in all the ways we're not there yet, but he's the one that's going to bring us there. He's the one that's going to integrate us and make us whole. He's the one that's going to bring about all these resolutions to, to uh, a unitive end uh, to where we're not just sort of piecemeal in, in, in becoming some sort of conglomeration of humanity, but we're all, we're, everything is in order. Our, our entire life is in order, and we're whole spiritually, psychologically, physically
1: because that Helios is really means whole complete yes. mature. yes yes. Uh, and so uh, w- that that's what we're, we're working toward, and uh, we we never get really get there we're not, we're not going to get there in this lifetime not are this
2: we? side of heaven we can get pretty close that's it's amazing what grace grace can do, and we see in the lives of the saints just the 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 perfection. In some degree, you know, that exists in Jesus Christ in another person. Uh, But, yeah, we're not going to have it completely, totally, this side of heaven.
1: One of the things that perhaps we should address at this point, Christopher, is that when, I don't know, maybe I'm unique, but I don't think so. (laughs) When I fail to keep a resolution, I feel guilty. Yeah. I feel yeah. like less of a person. Mm-hmm. I I feel like a failure. Mm. And I think that's probably a fairly common thing, isn't it? And how, yeah. how do you address that with somebody that comes to you and says, I just can't seem to do this. I resolve to do it, and I resolve to do it, and I think I'm trying to cooperate with God's grace, but I just don't seem to be able to do this. I'm a failure.
2: Right, right yeah I think first off, what I always point out is the desire there for the good and that they're desiring something very good and that's good that's a good thing uh, however, that they're falling and they're having a hard time being loved there because of the guilt and the desolation that's there in them at that place they're just they're you know they're depressed they're sad they're 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 guilty they feel like a failure it's like okay well. It doesn't sound like you you really feel connected to God right now. It doesn't sound like you're experiencing his love for you here in this place. And so what usually, you know, the discussion usually goes in a direction where we start talking about how God accepts us in our lowliness, our sinfulness, our failures, and how uh, we have a hard time experiencing his acceptance for us if we can't accept ourselves as someone who... uh, is a failure. Uh, I mean, in a certain sense, that's who we are. It's not who we are in the depths of our identity, but in a certain sense, it's yeah. In as much as we failed at, we're a failure. We're inadequate. We're et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And that's not a bad thing because it doesn't nullify us from being loved. It actually is the occasion in which God loves us. and, And, and we experience great intimacy with him is in those places of great poverty we experience tremendous love. I mean, this is the mystery of Christmas. We're in the Christmas season right now. This is what Christmas is trying to teach us: is that uh, in in the the manger mangeriness of our hearts, in these places where it's just nasty, uh, there's the most beautiful thing taking place there.
1: What I think I hear you saying is that we need to be very careful that we don't see our feelings as reality, that our feelings don't necessarily uh, align themselves with what is real and true. And that's a big issue, is it not?
2: Yeah, no, I, th- I think you're right there. And it's, it's that we don't see our feelings as the whole reality, as total reality. Yeah, to some degree, we feel that way. We feel this way because, well, we just failed or we messed up. And so we can validate what we're feeling, but you're exactly right. It's not everything. It's not the whole picture, uh, and especially if, if if we're not holding this truth about God's love for us in our mistakes, and uh, yeah, we can get off base there
1: quite a bit. It's sort of like the the, uh, the scripture passage that says: "Be angry, but do not sin." The anger is an emotion, but the sin comes in when you hold on to the anger.
2: Yeah, yeah.
1: The feeling of failure is an emotion, and so. It, it must also be a sin to hold on to that feeling of failure to say that somehow God did not make me in a way where I can be successful.
2: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, emotions are morally neutral and they're made to be expressed, you know. They need to be expressed in a healthy way. But yeah, if we're holding on to this sense of failure, the reason we do that is, is so that we don't have to keep trying and fail again because we don't want to fail again. And so we kind of hold on to that failure, that feeling, uh, and to kind of cling to it sometimes even as an identity so that we don't have to, you know, put ourselves out there and, you know, possibly experience failing again. Yeah. And we so, need to be okay with failing.
1: <laughs> so there's a difference between failing and being a failure, isn't there? Correct, yeah. One is an act, the other is an identity. An identity. I I, I, was, I was thinking of... Uh, of uh, Edison's uh, trying to build an electric light bulb, and I don't remember the exact number, but I think he had like ten thousand failures before he had yeah. a success. Yeah. He had an innumerable to me, and it, it'd be one of those innumerable things uh, that uh, I probably would have given up after three hundred, and yet he was <laughs> persistent. And that I know, think three hundred is pretty persistent. Yeah, yeah, and so yeah, it is. So you know, and and in our we we look at that and. For uh, secular type decisions and mm-hmm. say i I just need to keep going, yeah. and yet in spiritual things, we don't apply that very practical example of persistence in spite of our failures,
3: yeah
2: yeah
1: and and yeah, and if, if I
2: remember right that story, I think he said something like you know uh, someone asked him about his failure and he said no i didn't I didn't fail that many times, I just learned how not to make a light bulb,
1: you know." <laughs> But do we say that? Do people say that in their spiritual lives yeah. or in their emotional lives when they're trying to be healed emotionally or spiritually? Yeah, I think by and large you're, you're right
2: on. It's we, we don't have that understanding of there's something you know that we can have that we can have this childlike outlook on this and and learn from this of just like oh this didn't work, all right let's get back up and keep going. It's just sort of this all or nothing mentality, and we uh, and I think a lot of that's rooted in just the expectations we put on ourselves. Uh, they're not God's expectations, because God isn't expecting us to be perfect in the sense that we have no flaws. Uh-huh. And so we have these expectations that, well, we have to have no flaws. Uh, that's not going to get us very far because we have flaws. <laughs> so we, so we have a hard time accepting failure, I think, because of just some some faulty expectations for ourselves where, you know, we're not anticipating, you know, our needing to get back up again and learn from from the falls.
1: And our society is not very tolerant of, of that kind of failure. Uh, if, if you watch the news or yeah, whatever. Yeah. It, it, so They'll jump it, on you. They jump on you, yeah. yes. They, and and I that's think, why
2: we jump on ourselves because we, we don't want uh, to be jumped on. So, well, I'm going to jump on myself first so I can get myself in order so that I won't mess up.
1: And I think some of that perhaps is that if other people can point out our faults – they don't have to feel as bad about theirs. Yeah, yeah. And it's difficult to accept that mm-hmm. it's possibly out of the other person's need that we are uh, seeing their pointing out our failures rather than out of their security. It's, out, it's possibly coming out of their insecurities yeah. rather than in their securities. And they're, and they're not necessarily doing it to be kind to us, but an attempt to be kind to themselves.
3: Yeah, yeah,
2: and I think it's it's hard not to put that that image onto God and to think that He has the same expectations of you know the world and those around us, that that He's He's just trying to you know be critical and look for where we're where we're going to fall and fail and He's going to be disappointed with us and all this and it's, it's totally false. It's totally false.
1: It it's very difficult to think of God the Father as the dad on the sideline of the soccer field waiting for you to make the goal. Yeah. And rejoicing when you make the goal.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: As uh, rather than the one that's going to tell you how how you failed to pass the soccer ball to the yeah. that person so that they could make the goal or whatever.
2: Yeah. I think what you're describing there is two fathers. One is the father of lies and the other is the father of love. And gosh, God is perfect. He's he's his heart is so good and he he he, he never sees us for anything but who we are even in even when he's rebuking us and calling us back into ourselves he does so by by something like you know my son where he's still reminding us of who we truly are he's never telling us who we were who we're not or critical of us in that way yeah.
1: as catholics we have another opportunity coming up mid february to uh, do some resolutions or set some resolutions, yeah. and we talk about what we're going to do for Lent. Yeah, and it sometimes they're very silly, and sometimes they are good. Uh, I can remember times when I would give up X, Y, or Z, mm-hmm. and I mm-hmm. couldn't. I had to go to the the Easter vigil so I could go back to those things because Lent was now over. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but. It, isn't that a typical human response? How long do I have to keep going to the gym till I lose the 10 or 15 pounds? Right, right. How long do I have to go to daily mass before I conquer this sin habit? Yeah, yeah. What, how, how do you address that with folks?
2: Yeah, I say, again, just going back to what we started with, I'd say, you know, with any resolution, we want to uh, make it out of love. So why am I doing this? I'm doing it for love. And and this is how particularly I'm doing out of love. It's for this person and for this particular reason. I forget which saint, but I think one uh, there's a saint who said the best penance we can we can make the best penance we can resolute to is is loving human relationships well. Mm. Loving human relationships well, uh, because in order to do that, it requires love and it requires a dying to self and all the this love of self for self's sake. It requires a dying to self so that we can uh, truly love for, the, for the, the
1: sake of the other. Now, uh, talking about Lent again, what a, a good resolution for Lent. Mm-hmm. is Isn't it one that when I come out of Lent, I'm a better person than what I went in?
2: Yeah, and I would say to clarify the, the person, I would say a better son or a better daughter a better brother or a better sister better husband better wife better father better mother cuz we want to make it about relationship we want to make it about love and love is you can only have love if you're in relationship
1: Christopher we got about 2 minutes left All right. and i'm going to ask you to maybe summarize what you think should be the message that people take out of here and then Mm -hmm. maybe tell them at the end of that, how they can reach you if they want to talk to you, discuss this further, because you were telling me that you'd have a small private practice in Mm -hmm. addition to what Mm -hmm. you do here at St. Mary's. So,
2: yeah. Um, just to address that real, real first, uh, yeah, my private practice, I don't, I'm not able to do too much because I'm primarily here for the students. Uh, and so I do a little bit during winter break and summer break. Um, but I am able to do a little bit of work for those in the community, um, just on a limited basis. But um, I think for uh, the takeaway from all this, I would say uh, you know, resolutions are so important to, uh, to growing and becoming who we are, to becoming the, the people that we were created to be. Um, and we have to remember that life's about love, and happiness is found in love. And that's what our resolutions need to be rooted in, love. And love always involves relationship. And so we need to do this in relationship with others, not as an isolated exercise. And so we need to do this for others, and we need to do it with others and have that accountability and recognize our our weakness, which is so evident to us, which is why we're making resolutions in the first place, that uh, we're going to fall. We're going to fail. It's not going to be something that... uh, uh, is overnight. And that's okay. We're loved right there. And God is so proud of us for trying and for wanting to change and to grow in love that he's the first one there to lift us up, to encourage us to keep going. And if we can accept that weakness and rely on him and keep leaning on him, uh, we can actually get pretty far in our resolutions. Uh, yeah. So I think, uh, love and, uh, relationship and reliance on God and and others is, is that's what we're going for in all of this.
1: Christopher Lafitte I am so glad you are here and thank you so much for being my guest and to our listeners I remind you that when choosing between the values of heaven and the values of earth always round up